Join Nick's Holiday Ho 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 Down. Five nights up with mirth and mayhem. Bring a friend. Bring your dog. Stephen Monpa. All this week at 8, 7 central. Tune in, everyone, to Nickelodeon. Season greetings, Gut Buckets. This is Big Orange Couch, the 90s Nickelodeon podcast where we talk about all things 90s Nickelodeon. My name's Joey. I'm Andrew. Happy holidays, it's Candace. Hey. And this is episode 138. We're talking our own writing episodes um, for the holidays. Yeah, holiday special. Yeah. <laughs> Various shows, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think we did any of the same shows. I think there are three different ones. Yeah. Three different shows. Wait, did you guys do a live action holiday? I did. Okay. I'm animated. I'm I'm live action. Okay. Yeah. We tried this once before with Halloween. And uh, yeah, it was two live action. You and I did Hey Dude and Max did SpongeBob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was fun. Did you, let me ask, did you have a easier or harder time with Halloween? the holiday rather than Halloween special? Uh, You know, I thought this was going to be a really tough one, but when I finally sat down to get it out, it just started kind of flowing. Yeah. I felt very good about it. That's a good feeling. (laughs) Yeah. So the the assignment that I got was write an episode, any show, 90s Nick, you wanted. Yeah. Just with a holiday theme. Yeah. Yeah, which is perfect for me because holiday spirit's like... You know, that's like one of my strong suits. <laughs> Not that I'm bragging, but... That's what yeah. you're known for. I, yeah. There goes Candace. Oh, one time at a job I had, they had to rewrite the rules of the Christmas decorating in the office because of me. Oh. Because I stayed all night. Like, what was the rule? You can't stay all night? Uh, They really said you had to scale it back. Oh, wow. Scale back the Christmas cheer. Yeah. Well, I decorated, like, our whole cubicle area. Like, it was downtown New York City at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And, like, cubicles have those little windows. So I decorated them all, like, New York City holiday storefronts. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. A girl on my team was roasting chestnuts. Oh. <laughs> Never heard of this. Anyways, we took it a step too it far. It seems like a good rule to, like, and no roasting chestnuts <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. office. And, um, I had, like, a crock pot of a hot apple cider. And um, anyways, the next year, they they pared it down, and they gave each department a Christmas tree to decorate. Yeah. And, yeah. Instead of letting us decorate our whole area. Which, is, I mean, I took it as a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Any complaints? Now, like, this is somewhat of a thing of, like, you know, should you put a Christmas tree in a public place if, you know, people celebrate some different holidays? Oh, I'm sensitive to that. Yeah. I feel like everybody should be able to represent theirs. Like, okay. I don't think it's one or the other. Yeah. Like, it's not as if they said you can't bring in something else. Right. Like, throw up, you know, anything. Yeah. Together. Everybody's got a winter holiday. Uh, I mean, no spoilers, but... I may have chosen a non-traditional winter holiday for my episode. Okay. Huh. Very good. Interesting. I think they can all live together. <laughs> cool. Just I'm... like that Band-Aid Christmas song, you know? No. Where the... Yeah. <laughs> no, they... I don't know it. Do yeah. they know it's Christmas time? Now? I don't know. Just like hmm. about everybody getting along. Oh, cool. But I'll look a, it up. It's also a Christmas song. Oh. So. 
Oh, Band-Aid, like the, yeah. the thing. Yeah. Where like all those celebrities <laughs> got together. Yeah. That was in the 90s, and this is a 90s podcast, right? Yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Well, well. I never <laughs> even... <laughs> I was like never even aware of it at the time, yeah. I guess. I'm not sure I'm aware of it, but I'll look yeah. it up. Oh, believe me, if you put on like a Spotify Christmas it channel... It comes up? It's a popular... Oh, oh, it's going to be in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Check it out. Maybe it'll be playing under this segment. <laughs> if I'm lucky. Um, yeah, I found this to be a very... This was more difficult for me than... Um, maybe anything besides Are You Afraid of the Dark right an episode. Mm. I just couldn't... Maybe I'm just not that person. I couldn't muster a ton of holiday cheer. <laughs> I, couldn't find, I couldn't find ways I wanted to work in the holiday elements. But I also, I also think I picked the wrong show to do it. Like, once I started writing, like, this was the wrong show to do. Huh. Um, let me ask you this. Did mm-hmm. you see if there was a Christmas episode, or a holiday episode, whatever holiday you did for the show already? I mean, I knew that there was not, like, a solid Christmas episode for the show. Okay. I looked, I checked to make sure, and the cartoon I did does have one holiday episode but i was confident that my the story i had in my mind was different enough that i could say okay maybe they did a holiday special in a different season Hmm. okay so there is there is a holiday episode of your show yes okay i'm pretty sure bold (laughs) (laughs) and for you um mine does not really have a holiday episode okay i mean maybe like a little mention of it but not like a for real right right okay full on well uh before we get going uh we we had posted a couple on twitter and instagram about it but you have a new book out yep Uh, andrew has a new book out yeah have you seen it (laughs) yes it is really (laughs) cool um yeah um my first novel it's called space junk yeah um just been working on it i actually started like s- six months probably before we started the podcast yeah so, so a couple it's years just and been a long <laughs> long process yeah but it was like learn kind of teaching myself to write at the same time so that kind of made it harder i think yeah had had the write-in episodes have had any effect on the book? How does um, an entire novel compare to a recap of a fake kids show? You know, I think I really I really cracked space junk when I did my Doug write episode. Um, you know, I was actually thinking about how the write-in episodes worked, um, and I have a really hard time writing short stories. Mm. So I found that these writing episodes uh-huh. were like a good exercise to like make a short encapsulated yes. thing. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, cool. That makes sense. A format that kind of locks you in. Yeah. yeah. Kind of gave me like a, I don't know, boundaries that maybe I needed to uh, figure it out. Yeah. That's cool. Your book is what? Like 400 pages? 450 pages about. Okay. Um, a little so, longer than a writing episode. Yeah. yeah <laughs> What's it about? Um, it's a sci-fi adventure. Um, kind of like, I feel like the tone is somewhat similar to Hitchhiker's Guide. Mm. Um, but this guy, the main character, Adam Jones, finds uh, this strange item and it kind of sets off like the like a bunch of d- 
different groups of people from around the universe after him trying to get it. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, he's trying to, like, figure out a way to uh, turn it into riches for himself. Um, does So does he fully understand what he has? Um, he No spoilers. Event- oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I've started reading it, so I've gotten yeah, the yeah. idea that he has this thing and people are, like, interested in it. They all, like, he, they know what it is in a sense. Yeah. Like, but they don't know. They, they kind of are just, like, placing this value on it without fully understanding it. Got it. Okay. And a lot of the characters are very, like, you got, like, space bumpkins kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of silly characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And it's on Amazon if people want to yes, order it. Yes, on Amazon. You could do Kindle. Uh, yeah, Kindle or paperback. It's yeah. available. That paperback's nice, though. Cover art's great. Thank yes. you. There's art within it's the really book. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, including your your dad did some of the art in the book, yeah. right? A few drawings. Not the cover. On the inside. Not the cover. Okay. Okay. That's really cool, though. Really cool. Thank I'm you. I'm excited to read it, Andrew. Oh man, I'm excited for you guys to read <laughs> yeah. it and to hear about it. Yeah. And if any of you out there grab it, uh, you let us know what you think. Yeah, that good, would be great. Good and or thank bad. you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And thank you to everybody who has already bought it or yep. has just checked it out at all. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. It was a really cool project. Very cool. Um, well, it's a good segue into, I guess, an episode about writing. Yeah. Um, does anybody have the particular urge to start? Do you? Um, I mean... I always start. Okay, I, I, yeah. I, I, yes, I feel like I can't go before Andrew goes. <laughs> Usually we don't make the guests go first. <laughs> I break the ice. Okay. Like, okay. I'm really uh, intimidated by the size of your guys' stories from the sound of it. Um, mine, like, oh. I kept it kind of... It's a little shorter than the last couple we did. Okay, that's okay. But I just felt like for this show, the space <laughs> kind of yeah. filled itself in a okay. little bit. Okay, yeah. We'll see. Do you want to tell us the show, or do you just want to like go um, into it? Well, I'll tell you the title, and okay. you'll know the show. Uh, okay. uh. This one's called Ferg Year's Eve. Oh. <laughs> Ferg Year's Eve. Is that one word, Ferg Year's? Uh, I did it two separate years. years. Two separate words, okay. but it could be either way, I guess. Um, I don't know if Candace knows, is familiar with this show uh, enough to know. Yes, okay. I love... Clarissa explained okay. it all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Clarissa didn't have a... No, I was not very really. surprised. Oh. And I was really surprised that I couldn't find like this same basic storyline already done. Oh. It was like, oh, even I in like, sure, other Nickelodeon shows? Uh, I don't know about that, okay, but okay. in Clarissa. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So Clarissa is working on her New Year's resolution, and she gives us a rundown of the Darling Family Christmas. Dad making sure all the ornaments on the tree are the exact same space apart. Mom baking an absurd number of vegan tapioca pies. Dad got Ferguson a junior engineering kit for Christmas. And Mom gave Clarissa half a dozen vegan vegan tapioca pies. (laughs) As a surprise gift, Dad got Mom tickets to ring in the new year at an alpaca farm. Clarissa's interrupted when Sam shows up. And he asks if she's figured out her New Year's resolution yet. She says she's still working on it, but her resolution for this year is to go to Hillary's New Year's Eve bash. Unfortunately, Sam has some bad news. He breaks it to Clarissa that the party was called off when Hillary's parents caught wind of it. Clarissa's bummed, but it gives her the idea to have the party at her house. 
Wait a second, she says. My parents are going to be at the, up- the alpaca farm all weekend. Why don't we have it here? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Sam agrees it's a great idea, but Ferguson overhears and threatens to ruin their plans. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Ferg breath. In exchange for keeping his mouth shut, Clarissa agrees to let Ferguson charge a $5 fee at the door to pay for supplies, plus a little extra for himself. Later that day, Clarissa and Sam are brainstorming ideas for the party when they hear a loud blast from the hallway. <laughs> they run out into the hall and discover that Ferguson has destroyed his room with a confetti cannon he was building for the party with his junior engineering kit. When Marshall and Janet see the mess, they question whether they should leave the kids unsupervised for an entire weekend. But Clarissa and Ferguson assure their parents that they will be on their best behavior. To prove it, they promise that nothing else bad will happen for the entire next week leading up to their vacation. There's a montage of Clarissa and Ferguson nearly getting into fights all week, but restraining themselves and putting on fake smiles in front of their parents. <laughs> I can really imagine them like... Yeah. Yeah. Doing that. <laughs> um, while fighting over the TV remote, Clarissa smothers Ferguson with a pillow, but when Mom walks in, Clarissa pretends to put the pillow under Ferguson's head. <laughs> when the day finally comes... Marshall and Janet agree that Clarissa and Ferguson did do a good job all week, and even though they're still reluctant, they agree to leave the kids alone in the house. Once their parents are gone, Clarissa and Sam get busy picking up supplies for the party as Ferguson fixes his confetti cannon. <laughs> Later that night, Clarissa and Sam are finishing decorating the house and getting ready for the guests to arrive when Ferguson wheels out the cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Clarissa and Sam take cover as he blasts it in the living room, but this time it works like it's supposed to, raining confetti down on them, and Clarissa agrees to let him set it off at midnight when the ball drops. You know, Ferguson says, this place looks pretty good. I think we could up the entrance fee to, say, $10 a head. (laughs) Forget it, Fergwad, Clarissa tells him. You're not gouging my friends. As a matter of fact, Sam, we didn't spend that much on supplies. I don't feel right charging them. You can't do that, Ferguson says. <laughs> Sorry, Ferg face. You're just going to have to find some friends of your own to swindle. We had a deal, Ferguson says, stomping upstairs. You'll regret this. <laughs> Soon the guests start to arrive and the party gets underway. With the house packed, Sam yells over the noise. Looks like it's a success. I can't believe you got away with it. At, as midnight nears, Ferguson comes down to apologize and asks to join the party. Clarissa gives in, and Ferguson wheels his cannon in as the countdown begins. <laughs> Four, three, two, everyone shouts. As they shout one, Marshall and Janet walk through the door, just as Ferguson is oh, setting off no. his cannon. Oh. <laughs> but instead of confetti, thick globs of vegan tapioca pie filling spray oh, the room. No. <laughs> the guests all start screaming and running for the door until Clarissa, Ferguson, and their parents are the only ones left, dripping in pie goo. Ferguson says, Mom? Dad? What are you doing home? <laughs> Through gritted teeth, Mom says, your, fr- your father forgot to book New Year's Day. Oh. I forgot about the whole midnight thing, Marshall says, and looking toward Janet. Well, at least we know how the kids will be spending the rest of the new year. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, Sam comes over and Clarissa tells him she's grounded until the millennium. But I think I finally figured out my New Year's resolution, she says, nodding. To never eat another vegan tapioca pie again. <laughs> Classic Clarissa. 
Very good. That was fun. Yeah, I like the New Year's Eve twist. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. The New yeah. Year's stuff is fun. Also, I'm assuming what you were referring to is Cl Clarissa never tried to throw a party. Yeah. When like her parents they never were had out. a. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. I was thinking, even as you're describing him, like, I can't imagine other kids in Clarissa's house. Yeah. Like, like a flood of people coming yeah. into the house. It always just seems like it's the family and yeah. Sam, pretty much. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Yeah, it was really fun. Thanks. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. Ferg with the cannon. Oh, yeah. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a classic Nickelodeon ending of um, just like a character thinking they are one up on everyone and then the wrong person walking at yeah. the wrong yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. Well, Candace. Oof. Is it my turn? It is your turn. <laughs> you might not know by the title what show I have chosen. The title of my episode is Solstice Solace. Solstice Solace. Not Solace. So, not soulless. Soulless like James S -O -L. Bond, Quantum of Solace. Oh, okay. oh I see. S O L. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is going great. <laughs> I can tell this is going over so well. <laughs> no, that's a good title. That's like really complicated. <laughs> um, it'll make sense, hopefully. <laughs> I have chosen to write a Wild Thornberries episode. Oh, very good. Man. So, okay, let me set the scene. The Thornberry family is on a on a remote island off of Japan. Um, they're in a rural village, looking out at the Pacific Ocean. They're in their little van. Okay. Um, you can see Mount Fiji nearby and the mist is like all around them it's a very exotic landscape as the thornberries are used to <laughs> debbie's griping in the back of the van complaining that christmas is next week and they're not even going to make it home in time but eliza is trying to remind her how important this mission is for their dad they're in japan to see the blankenstein's fish owl one of the world's most rare owl breeds which is most most active obviously at night owls are nocturnal mm. so this is a real this is a real breed of owl uh yes oh. <laughs> that exists in japan anyways um so they have so nigel realized that the only time he can get footage of this owl is near the winter solstice when there's the most darkness mm. so they're going to be most active it's their mating season okay so they have to be there for the solstice the longest night of the year so, Debbie's upset. She's griping about how they're going to miss Christmas, but Eliza's always trying to be supportive. Um, they continue into this village, and they learn more about the owl, and um, the people in the village refer to the owl as the god that protects the village. So, they go and find a camping spot near the water's edge where they, the parents can start setting up. Um, Debbie's still griping. She wishes they were in Tokyo watching one of her favorite pop stars perform. She puts her headphones on and cranks up the music and gets back in the van. Donnie, meanwhile, is asleep and they can't seem to wake him up when it's time to unload all the equipment. Mrs. Thornberry supposes that it's just the time change and the length of the days that is throwing off his sleeping schedule. So while mom is unloading her equipment and taking inventory of her camera, 
stuff. She keeps dropping things and fumbling things, and her camera um, stand breaks, and she's just getting really frustrated. And Nigel says, Don't worry, darling. It's just a string of bad luck. That was pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so the mom is frustrated, and Debbie pulls off her headphones and says, You think that's bad luck? Bad luck is me not being relaxing in my warm robe, sipping hot chocolate, and looking at my Christmas lights. She puts her headphones back on. Mom and Dad decide to continue with the mission, and they paddle off in their rowboat to look for the owls along the shore. Donnie's still sleeping, and Debbie won't talk to anyone, so Eliza and Darwin decide to go into town and see the village. Um, they go into town, they're kind of like making friends and learning about the town while Mom and Dad are off. When they all meet back up at the caravan, Mom and Dad are defeated. They couldn't find a single owl, not even one single bird, to film. And it's so strange. This area should be so populated with wildlife. But they couldn't find a single thing. <laughs> Mom blames her string of bad luck. And everyone turns in for the night. It does, after all, get dark very early. <laughs> but Eliza senses something is wrong with no animals around. And she decides to sneak off and investigate. Darlin Darwin follows behind her. Oh, great. Just what I asked Santa for. <laughs> a dangerous walk in the woods, he says. <laughs> oh, Darwin complaining. <laughs> Eliza walks through the forest for a long time until she realizes that she's lost. She can't find her way back to the caravan. And the mist off Mount Fiji is rolling in, and she can't seem to figure out where she is. Stressed, she calls out for help and hears a small voice respond. It's a Blankenstein's fish owl, grounded with a wounded wing. Oh no. She asks why he's all alone, and he describes that normally the solstice brings positive spirits, but this year evil spirits have invaded the island, and the birds have retreated, and they're all hiding because they don't know where the spirit's coming from. Wow. Eliza wants to help the owl and says that she at least has first aid equipment back at her family's trailer. She, she says, if we can ever find it again. The owl agrees to use his nocturnal vision to help Eliza and Darwin get back to the van, if Eliza will help him fix his wing. The owl helps, the owl helps them make their way back to the van but as they're approaching the van, Donnie wakes up from his long sleep and starts sprinting towards them. The owl panics. This is the evil spirit. The owl wants to oh, no. run, but Eliza convinces him it's just her brother. When Donnie calms down, the owl says, no, the evil spirit is still coming from your van. I can hear it. And Eliza says, Debbie. Debbie's Tokyo pop music has been cranked for two days, and she's scared off all the animals. Eliza convinces the owl of the problem, and that the evil spirits are not evil at all. It's just her family trying to help his family. So, Eliza is able to get Debbie to turn off her music. Eliza is able to fix the owl wing. And Nigel is able to get footage of the rare owl. Wow. 
just as things are starting to come together, it's almost midnight. And Eliza's friends from the village make their way to the van. They start to tell the Thornberry family that they're all celebrating the winter solstice at this time. And the celebration will begin at midnight. And there's a little something for everyone. Because the, sol- the solstice is meant to bring um, good luck. So Mrs. Thornberry's feeling much better. And just as the village um, people are telling the Thornberries about the day, the um, the people up on Mount Fiji start lighting their bonfires at midnight to mm-hmm. celebrate the solstice. And it kind of looks like a Christmas tree. Mm. And um, another woman from the village brings ev- all the Thornberries a cup of hot green tea and um, yuzu fruit, mm-hmm. which is traditional in Japan for the solstice. And the Thornberry family ends up having a very nice solstice celebration with the people in the village. And everyone kind of gets, ends up getting what they, their wish. Cool. This is true. Wow. Yeah, that was really good. Very heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah, you have really well crafted stories <laughs> that you bring to these. <laughs> yeah. Um, just so I understand, it was Debbie's. It was Debbie's pop music that was that scaring off the animals. Once the music's off, then the animals re- reemerge, yes. and then they are able to get the footage of the uh, the owl. Yes. What's the name of the owl? Like what type of the Blankenstein's fish owl? Oh, Blankenstein fish owl. That's a great name. <laughs> yeah. I was I, um, I didn't really want to do a straight Christmas episode, mm-hmm. so I started looking for and since the thorn, I was looking for a show where I could find characters that would be in different cultures. Yeah. So the Thornberries made sense because I could put them in any culture yeah. very easily. Yeah. So, um, and since Japan doesn't really celebrate um, Christmas as like a national uh, holiday, yeah. um, I tried to look into what their traditions are and like was learning about the solstice. Very hmm. interesting. Solstice Solace. <laughs> solstice yeah, that's solace. a good title. Yeah. Um, do you? When is the solstice? Same time? Oh, I should have said it's the twenty-first. So it's the week before Christmas. That's why Debbie was not going to quite make it home uh, for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I like this as a critique on um, pop music that, like, <laughs> that pop music is the pure evil of the world. Well, I was thinking, like, owls, what would scare them, and their hearing is so good oh. yeah. that I just figured. Yeah. It's a classic Debbie storyline of, like, being obsessed with some pop star. Yeah. Um, but it's also your yeah. scathing critique on the current state of pop music. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Um, really great setting, um, just yeah. and you really uh, <laughs> made it come to life. I yeah, think. absolutely. Um, and uh, I appreciate the lack of Donnie. Oh, you don't like Donnie? <laughs> Not a big fan of Donnie. <laughs> I just thought it would be funny if, like, yeah, he appeared at one awful moment and then, uh, like, yeah, what's the weirdest thing for Donnie to be doing? Just sleeping. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Like, That's true. Instead of causing a ruckus all the time. You really nailed the voices, too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> above and beyond. Well, I got really excited about doing Nigel's voice, and then, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, it also really felt like a Wild Thornberries episode. Have you Definitely. watched a lot of Wild Thornberries? Yes. Yeah. I really yeah. liked Wild yeah. Thornberries. 
really I, fit. The, all the characters really felt like re, the actual characters. Yes. Thanks. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. Thank you. I don't think, I don't think you and I would be as qualified to pull that off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wild Thornberries. Uh, probably. Yeah, definitely not one that you guys would be as attached to as I was. Yeah. But I mean, for me and my interests, that was a perfect show at the perfect time. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of like a wholesome type show with lots of animals. Yeah. Awesome. I like it. Um, I'm sure there are a bunch of people out there like, finally, some thornberries. <laughs> a little wild thornberries action. <laughs> yes. All the details really felt like that show, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Pitch perfect. Yeah. Thank Great you. Great job. <laughs> so we got Ferg's... Ferg... Is it Ferg Years uh, or Ferg Years Eve? Ferg Years Eve. Eve. <laughs> Solstice. <laughs> Solstice Solace? Yes. Okay. Oh, I hope yours isn't easy to pronounce, because that's going to be embarrassing for you. Um, okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll go into mine. I, I I made what I think is a bad decision. Hmm. Um, oh. I just, you know, I think I was I think I was feeling kind of good off of our last writing episode, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to try to keep pushing myself. And um, it was I, sh- I shouldn't have. <laughs> I shouldn't have pushed myself because <laughs> um, I don't like the way it turned out. But you know, you guys can be the mm-hmm. critics here. Um, I'm not going to say what show, okay? Because um, I just want to give the intro here. Okay. Okay. All right. We see a fire burning with snow falling lightly around the Midnight Society oh, area. My. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Members start walking up dressed warmly in winter clothing and carrying gift boxes. They all seem happy. Kristen sits in the storyteller chair. Kiki asks when they get to find out who their secret Zebo is. <laughs> Kristen, Kristen says after Kristen says after her story. She mentions that she asked everyone to bring gifts because there's something special about what a gift represents, not just to the person who receives it, but also says something about the person who's giving it. A gift is a symbol of what someone believes you want, whether you actually need it or not. And some gifts can actually end up being more than you bargained for. (laughs) Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Tale of All's Giving. Okay, so festive music is playing as we see a brother, sister, and dad hanging up garland on the fireplace with a Christmas tree in the background. It looks serene. Kristen narrates, It had been a hard year for the Serling family. That same year, Annie and Luke lost their mom in an accident and had struggled to find happiness since. This time of year, though, was their favorite time, and they hoped it would bring some happiness to the family. We see the girl plop down on the couch. She looks at a necklace with a heart on it. Annie seems a little sad. It's just not the same, she says. Her dad sits next to her and wraps his arm around her. I know it's not Pumpkin, and I miss her too, but we're going to make the best of this, together. Luke watches and turns around and keeps hanging things. You okay, pal, his dad says. Couldn't be better, he says. Dad looks at Annie's necklace. Mom would be so happy that you wear it. She always said you were her heart. Annie smiles at her dad. The phone rings. The dad gets up and goes to the kitchen. We overhear him speaking in the kitchen. Serling residence. Uh-huh. Wednesday? Is there any other time? But it's... it's... it's the holiday. I see. Okay, I'll figure something out. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Luke walks into the kitchen. Everything okay, Dad? Uh, Yeah, pal, just just some work stuff. And the dad walks away. The brother looks at his sister with a worried look. 
It fades to dinner time, and we see the three sitting around the table eating, with Christmas lights glowing all around them. The dad clears his throat. So I uh, got a call from my boss, Mr. Quincy, earlier. Turns out I have to travel out of town this week to close this deal. His daughter immediately cuts him off. You can't, Dad. Wednesday is... He cuts her off. I know. I know. I'm sorry. If there was something else I could do to get out of this, I would. But, you know, it's this or no job. Luke says, so what does that mean? Are we going with you? He shakes his head no. Then we're spending the holiday alone? Annie says upset. No, not alone. Actually, I think this could be good. You're going to go celebrate with Aunt Maisie. Aunt Maisie, the daughter says, stunned. We haven't seen her in forever. I can't even remember. The dad says, I know, but I think this will be good for her, too. She's been she's been having a hard time this year, too. It might be it might do her good to spend some time with her niece and her nephew. The kids look shell shocked. She didn't even come to the funeral. Mom always talked about how weird she thought she was. Luke's. Luke says. The dad says, I know, but everyone deals with grief differently. I think you guys are really going to like spending time with her. She's not that weird. She's just different. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. It fades to a car driving through stretches of woods, snow falling, finally pulling up to a cabin looking house with smoke coming from the chimney. The kids get out and look at the house. The dad gets the bags from the car. Where are we, Luke says. By the looks of it, the 1700s, Annie says. They walk up to the porch and knock. We hear clinking and clanking from within side. Wait, a frantic voice says. Finally, a disheveled, frizzy-haired woman in wool clothing and big frame glasses that magnify her eyes opens the door. She stares at the kids and they stare back at her. A slow smile crosses her face children oh children and she comes out and pulls them into her arms she smells their hair touches their faces frantically inspecting them they look uncomfortable hey there hey there Maisie the dad says she smiles and nods at him knowingly but saying nothing well it's quite chilly isn't it tis the season just the right weather for ghouls and ghosts isn't it as she lovingly shoves the kids into the house they look at each other with wide eyes the dad follows behind The camera shows the cabin. It's a very basic wood cabin with a fireplace, tons of books, rugs, a pot of something cooking on the stove, and morbid knickknacks in every possible place. The dad hugs the kids, tells them he loves them, and that he'll be back in three days. Aunt Maisie closes the door behind him and smiles to the kids. Who's ready for a little allsgiving? (laughs) You mean Christmas, Luke asks. She cackles, no, all's giving, not Christmas, not Christmas. The idea is to give, not get. It's about giving. Do you follow, Sir Luke? The kids stare at her. He says, uh, yeah, sure. She walks out of the room and eventually back in with a box and two shovels. She hands the box to Luke and shovels to Annie. While it's good to give to others, tradition says that it's best to give back to the earth to start all's giving. So we're going to give back to the earth. What are we giving back to the earth, Annie asks. She nods towards the box Luke is holding. He slowly takes off the lid, which reveals a dead cat. He drops the box and screams. She laughs again. What is that, they ask. Oh, that's just sugar. My sweet, sweet, lovely cat. Or she was. She died last month. I thought she'd be a perfect way to start all's giving and give back to the earth. (laughs) We see the kids digging in the snow with the box next to them. Luke says, this is the weirdest Christmas ever. 
Aunt Maisie nudges him. All's giving, child. All's giving. <laughs> As they dig, Annie looks up and sees the outline of a figure standing in the woods, but can't see who it is. She squints, but no luck. Maisie nudges her niece. Almost there, almost there. Keep digging. When Annie looks back, the figure is gone. It's dinner time, and the three are eating with hot cups of soup. It's very dim in the cabin, and Aunt Maisie breaks the silence. The weather is just right for some ghouls and ghosts, isn't it? Annie sighs. Why do you keep saying that? Child, because it's all's giving. As their aunt smiles. It's so good to see you two. I've missed you so much. I'm so glad you're here to celebrate all's giving with me. After dinner, we see Annie go to her guest room and look into the mirror. She clutches her mom's heart necklace. She sighs and gets into bed. She nestles in, and as time passes, she's sleeping. We hear rustling in the room. Annie tosses but doesn't wake up. Then we see a figure sit on her bed. She wakes. At first, the figure is blurry, but it comes into focus. We see a beautiful woman staring down at Annie. Hello, my little heart. Annie blurts out, Mom! It cuts to her abruptly waking up and panting. It was, it was a dream. <laughs> she breathes heavily. Then we hear a voice from out of frame. You saw her, didn't you, Annie? Annie is startled as Aunt Maisie is in her room. Annie nods yes. I thought you might, Aunt Maisie says, and walks over to sit by Annie's side. I just know how much she misses you. Aunt Maisie touches Annie's necklace, but Annie clutches it away. Aunt Maisie smiles at Annie lovingly. I miss her too, Annie. I miss her every minute of every day. A tear falls from Aunt Maisie's eye. I never got to tell her, but she was my hero. I should have been there. Aunt Maisie sighs, sighs and says, Good night, child. The next day, we see the three family members walking outside as it snows. It's a bright winter day. Luke says they didn't know they were staying with her, so they didn't get her gifts for her. She says, no problem. She doesn't want anything. Plus, she didn't get them anything either. <laughs> as they walk, Annie stops and freezes. What's up, Luke asks. She points. We see a pale little girl standing in the woods, staring back. Who's that, Luke asks. May Maisie waves happily at the child and says, just a friend. She gives a she gives me the creeps, Annie says. The little girl stares at Annie and then runs away. This is the weirdest Christmas ever, Annie says. Aunt Maisie nudges her. All's giving. <laughs> All right, says Annie. Again, it's dinner time, and as they're finishing their food, Aunt Maisie asks if they're ready for their all's giving gifts. I thought you didn't get us anything, Luke says. I didn't, she snaps. The kid sits... This kid sits startled. She motions for them to come sit on the couch. They sit and she places a box in each of their laps. They are perfectly wrapped with a bow on top. I'll start, says Annie. Aunt Maisie nods. She undoes un the wrapping paper and reveals a very old, very ratty rag doll with a little girl, uh, of a little girl with long pigtails. The toy looks used and old. Um, thank you, says Annie. Aunt Maisie smiles and says, it's not for you. Now you, she says to Luke. He unenthusiastically opens the box. We see him looking in for a moment and dryly say, Oh good, more dead stuff. <laughs> we, we see a human skull staring back at him. It's not for you, she says again. Who is it for then, Luke asks. You'll see. And gives each kid a kiss on the forehead. The kids get up from the couch but leave the boxes. Oh no, 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 you must take them to the bedroom with you. Why would we do that, Annie says. So they can come get them. Finally, Annie blurts, Aunt Maisie, are you okay? This is all really weird. 
Oh, child, you're just used to Christmas. Doing it this way is much more fun. Take them to bed with you and don't get too startled. <laughs> we see both kids go into their rooms. They set the boxes on their dressers and they get ready for bed. From outside the door, we hear Aunt Maisie scream, Happy Allsgiving, children! <laughs> As we see Annie sleep, we hear rustling again. She tosses. More rustling. Aunt Maisie, can you please get out of my room? But this time we hear a little girl giggle. Annie's eyes open wide. She looks scared. Then we hear the little girl's voice say, Can I have it back? Annie shoots up and looks and sees a girl around five years old. She's pale, like the girl from the woods, as if the girl had died. She was dressed as if she lived a century ago. The girl moves closer. Can I have it back? Annie screams. The scream wakes up Luke. He hears more screaming. As he goes to get out of bed, we see him tugged back into the bed. We look, It looks behind him and we see a long skeleton arm grabbing the back of his pajama shirt. We then hear a muffled voice say, Can I have it back? And laughing. It says it again. He looks at the box and then back behind him. A large skeleton body stands, but the body is missing a head. It cuts back to the little little girl standing near the side of Annie's bed, asking again, Can I have it back? She screams and run out of, runs out of the room. We see Luke follow behind. They run to the main room where Aunt Maisie is sitting happily. Did they come, she asks enthusiastically. Luke says, They have to get out of here. Nonsense. They'll be leaving shortly, Aunt Maisie says. We hear shuffling in the hallway, but see darkness. Then we see the little girl with her rag doll. The little girl is lovingly hugging it against her body, smiling to herself. She walks by and says, thank you, and then out the door and into the cold. What is going on? screams Annie. All's giving, Aunt Maisie yells. <laughs> then we hear more footsteps. Oh, here we go again, says Luke. Then the skeleton, adjusting its head back onto its body, smiles. It looks over and then goes off into the cold. Nobody, nobody needs more than those who have lost everything. Tonight we give back to them. You do this every year, they say? Every year, she says. Weren't they just so happy? Annie, breathing heavily from the scare, slows her breathing down. They just wanted something from their life, Annie asks. That's all. A lost gift. Regained. It's the best gift. The only gift that matters, Aunt Maisie says. Then we see Annie looking around the room at all the odd knickknacks. She starts to put together why her aunt keeps all these things around her cabin. Annie goes off to her room, picks up the doll box, puts the bow back on, and brings it out to her aunt. Oh no, child, I told you. I don't want anything. Annie smiles. It's not for you. Aunt Maisie, for the first time, seems thrown off. She nervously begins to unwrap. She opens and looks down and starts to cry. You can't, she tells Annie. Let her come. Tell her what you need to. Aunt Maisie picks up the heart necklace out of the box. Later that night, we see Aunt Maisie sleeping and we hear rustling. She wakes, but we only see the expression of pure joy on Aunt Maisie's face, staring at someone slightly out of frame. It fades to the Midnight Society. The end, says Kristen. Betty. So in the end, Aunt Maisie got the only thing that really mattered to her. Gary, very cool. <laughs> Kiki, yeah, nice job, Kristen. 
but let's do this, right? I need to figure out who my Christmas gift is from. Frank, yeah, who's my secret Zebo? Kristen picks up her box and slowly hands it to Frank with a smile and says, be careful. <laughs> Frank gets nervous. He slowly opens the box and lets out a sigh of relief as he pulls out a bandana. <laughs> Thanks. They all begin to pick up their boxes as happy holiday music plays and brings us to the credits. Nice. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that was good. That was um, good. Yeah, I think you were yeah. too hard on it. Mm. Um, yeah, you were really hard on it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a lot of, like, classic Are You Afraid of the Dark elements. Uh, like, the girl out there reminded me of... Um, Kind of like the I'm cold boy yeah. the most, I guess. And her saying um, she wants it back. Or, yeah. Um, Ma- uh, Maisie was yeah. just like a cool... I om- <laughs> At first, I, uh, I was kind of just imagining um, Vink dressed up as a woman <laughs> like as Maisie. Um, I actually, I'm happy you said that because I actually thought of making the character Vink, uh, uh, um, which is the cabin, the yeah, wool clothing, yeah. the crazy hair. But I thought I'm like I can't make him an uncle. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it just I don't want to give him that. Backstory. Yeah, it takes away from his mystique. Yes. Kind of, yeah. yeah, that if he has a brother, with definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. So I decided to invent a new yeah. wacky. That's good. Yeah. He had those Vink characteristics of like he was spooky but he was just having fun with it like he wasn't trying to scare Maisie, yeah. I mean. yeah, yeah like he that she had those yeah. characteristics yeah. of like she didn't care she was having fun yeah like i'm sorry that it bothers you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like she's just being silly you'll get the hang yeah. of it eventually yeah. yeah it's kind of like midnight madness vink it's uh you know yeah. eventually you'll yeah, go along yeah. with yeah. this <laughs> um also like the items that's kind of an are you afraid of the dark yeah. thing yeah um I'm not a, few, a huge fan of the item thing, but it seemed Christmassy, yeah. like a way to work in totally. the Christmas element. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. Um, the gift giving in a different way. Yeah. yeah. And it also had that sentimental touch that's mm. present in yeah. uh, some Are You Afraid of the Dirt? Yeah. Yeah. I could see you get very uncomfortable when I mentioned mom died. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> this is intense. why your episode's not full of holiday cheer. <laughs> I can uh, help you out with that. Yeah. yeah. That is a... Uh, very serious um that was bold story choice yeah. yeah but are you afraid the dark does that yeah sometimes. They, they they're not they, they do. don't totally stray away from death yeah, yeah. Um, there's that one where a brother like throws his sister into a burning furnace in a basement for a bike. oh no <laughs> well i think you're mixing up a couple stories <laughs> oh no well you're thinking of dark music which is a closet. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just know I've seen a brother kill a sister on that show. It's impl- <laughs> it's implied he might. <laughs> but Shiny Red Bicycle starts with a brother dying. Yeah. yeah. Um, falling yeah. off the bridge. Um, so it's not totally... I I was weary of it, but I, in a way I was like, well, this is almost... I feel like very Christmassy. Like Chris, yeah. A lot of Chris, great Christmas stories, I feel like, are centered around loss. Yeah, definitely. Um, the cabin in the woods was good too, with the mm-hmm. snow. I'm just imagining the. That's a very Christmas setting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was trying to think. Do we ever see the Midnight Society with snow? I don't th- think so. I don't think so either. Mm. I could be wrong, but I couldn't place yeah. it. The, there's only one episode I can think of off the top of my head that's kind of a holiday, though it's not really. I think it's more of a birthday, but it feels like a holiday. Um. 
Crimson Clan? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had the same thought. I mean, it's gift-based. Yeah. It's yeah. really based around, like, being spoiled and gifts. Yeah. And I think it's, like, in... It seems like it's in winter when they're walking around outside yeah, or something. Yeah, it seems chilly. Yeah. 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 So. Well, yeah, I think three, three really um, very yeah. different stories, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And that was uh, bold... Doing another Are You Afraid of the Dark? Jeez. Yeah. That seems very hard to write. That seems like a hard one. Yes. I kept going down a lot of different roads. I was like, I I was like, well, how can I make Santa scary? I'm like, everything I thought of was stupid. And like, (laughs) it it, it ended up, I thought, like, how does Are You Afraid of the Dark not have a Christmas special? Yeah. Yeah. But then I realized, like, well, this is very hard to do in a way that seems Christmassy and scary. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, I think you pulled it off. I do. I think so, too. Here. Thanks, guys. Um, we did hear from a couple people. Do you uh, cool. want to read some emails? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this first letter is from our old buddy, uh, Brett, oh. uh, who's on hiatus right now yeah. from art. I think he's Brett take- the artist. Yeah, Brett Wilson. Um, he's. I think he's taking care of himself right now, but uh, he sends us a email titled, Greetings from the Other Side of the Matrix. <laughs> hey, BOC gang. Just wanted to weigh in on the past couple of episodes, considering they were Are You Afraid of the Dark theme. So he wrote this a little while back. And as such, it's a 90s Nick show we three have a deep fondness mm-hmm. for. It's a shame my health-related hiatus happened just before your Carnival of Doom review, since I actually have some sketches developed for those episodes. But hey, I might find a way to work them into the Scary Tales guide once I have my strength back. Your review of the miniseries echoes my sentiments, so I won't bother going into detail. I gave it a three out of three point five out of five crimp mm. stars. Yeah. In other news, just wanted to compliment you guys on your writing episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, rounding out a stellar run of Podtober this year. When it came to the task, you three were not only not only clever with your subject matter, but you also ignited my interest through your passionate delivery the entire time. It's hard for me to pick a favorite since I viewed each of the tales respective to a director who could interpret your stories. For Joey, I'd say David Winning. For Melissa, Ron Oliver. For Andrew, DJ McHale himself. Oh. Oh. However, if there was just one... If there was just one most striking to my imagination, it would be the twisted, shrieking faces of people trapped in chess pieces. The visual still sits with me weeks after listening to the episode. Kudos for the unexpected subject matter, Andrew. I encourage you guys to do it again. If fate were to bless me with doing a graphic novel adaptation of the series down the road, it definitely seems likely for our stories to rise to a new level of appeal so our beloved children's horror anthology can continue to live on. But for now, I must rest and prepare. Your fellow Midnight Society member and art buddy, Brett. Awesome. Yeah, yeah well Thanks, said, Brett. Brett. Yeah, very nice. Uh, this next one comes from Jacob. Yeah. He says, Dear Mr. Kristoff and Nosferatu, <laughs> <laughs> Podtover heavily relied on Are You Afraid of the Dark content this year. And you know what? This made Podtober 2019 so flippin' fantastic. <laughs> there was one episode in particular that really had me hiding under the covers. Your coverage of the tale of the midnight madness. Yeah, that was the last time you were here, Candace. Yeah. I had been waiting for this one forever. In the first letter I wrote to you, I placed Midnight Madness as my favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. Mm. Me too. Mm. In the time since, it has moved away from that top spot in my ranking as I rewatched other tales, but it still remains a near-perfect episode to me. Nothing stale about it, not even the popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) 
I agree with Candace that I was a bit scared of the show when I was younger, so I didn't watch Midnight Madness until later on, at an age where I could better appreciate the show's craft. You have to hand it to Frank. Even though he's quite an unlikable character, he sure can tell riveting tales. There's Train Magic, Dangerous Soup, Full Moon, and of course Midnight Madness. This episode truly feels both old-fashioned and fresh at the same time, which is saying something. Pete and Katie are sympathetic kids I can really identify with, while Dr. Vink literally steals the show. His true intentions and motivations aren't entirely clear, and I think this makes the character super captivating here. Personally, I don't think Vink was being downright evil. Well, not at first, anyway. Vink was just trying to be a good businessman until Mr. Kristoff really pushed him over the edge. Regardless, you can't take your eyes off Vink, and Aaron Tagger takes full advantage of this as he sinisterly chews up the scenery. <laughs> and what great scenery. It was such a beautiful and atmospheric theater. I wouldn't mind living in the old Rialto. Mm. I talked to DJ McHale on Twitter briefly about it and discovered that the theater is located in Montreal. Oh, oh that's a fun fact. Yeah. I'm definitely adding this to my 90s Nick tr travel itinerary, along yeah. with every single filming location <laughs> from Pete and Pete. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> the vampire was gruesomely awesome. I watched Nosferatu for the first time before rewatching Midnight Madness in October, and now I have a better appreciation for what make for what the makers were trying to accomplish. I thought his fingers were very creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Until you guys put an image into my head of Nosferatu struggling with a pair of scissors. <laughs> oh, sorry. Now I can't stop giggling every time I think about the vampire's hands. Thanks, fellas. And while we are on the topic of silly things, I loved Andrew's name for the story, The Tale of Champagne Wishes and Vampire Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it should be its own separate episode. It kind of sounds like a story that could have starred Michael Bolton as the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Kreb star rating? Five Kreb stars. Are you afraid to name the episode? The Tale of the Creature from the Dawn of Cinema. Mm. Oh. Favorite line? Vink. I don't want your popcorn money. <laughs> yes! Ours <laughs> too. <Yeah. laughs> Sincerely, Jacob, the Rialto Rebel. P.S. What was that song at the end of your Midnight Madness episode? It was Mega Funky Man. The song is called um, Midnight Madness. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I think appropriately. Uh, it's by Don Ray. Mm. D O N space Ray. Huh. <laughs> I think it's a 70s kind of, yeah, it's kind of a 70s disco. Did you know of it first? No, I just, um, for some of these I have like an idea of the song, yeah. and for some I'll like just search the literal name of the episode and see if anything comes up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but it is definitely a groovy tune. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you uh, yeah. both uh, both Brett and uh, Jacob. Love yeah. hearing from you guys. Yeah. Uh, so what are we doing next time? Uh, next week we're talking about an episode that I think some people have really been mm -hmm. clamoring for. Yeah. Um, hey Arnold, Arnold's Christmas. Mm. Yeah. Kind of a classic Christmas episode. Yeah. I know um, I haven't watched it in full in a very long time. Yeah. I, I really remember like segments of it. Yeah. So it'll be nice to go back and kind of digest it. And yeah. I think it's held in a pretty high regard. Yeah. I think it's a very sentimental episode. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I think we'll... You know, no no spoiler at this point. We'll be doing our end of year review, yep. and um, I think we're also going to be taking a look at the decade. Um, yeah. So if you guys have any, <laughs> if you guys have any thoughts on um, the year or the decade, uh, start shooting us stuff, and we'll be happy to share it on those podcasts. Uh, and, and 
the way you can do that, you can find us on Twitter at BOC Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Orange Couch Podcast. You can email us like Brett and Jacob did at orangecouchpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Uh, a lot of people have started leaving reviews, and that's really, really helpful and nice of you guys. Uh, special shout out this week to Phoenix1216. Nice. Um, thank you so much uh, for the reviews. That's really helpful, the kind thoughts. Uh, if you if you haven't left us a review, you know, that'd be a great holiday gift. Yeah. Or buy uh, Andrew's book. Uh, that would be great. <laughs> that would also be a good gift. <laughs> Uh, Candace, uh, thinking. Uh, speaking of holiday gifts, your presence here today. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> your story, you for having me. Your story is a classic. Yeah. We have uh, we have the um, Rocco virus episode, right? You did the O Town. Yeah. Um, yes, I did the Rocco's Modern Life Writing episode. Yeah, that was great. And uh, now this one is, I think, equally is, is great. <laughs> Well, see you guys next episode. And Grandpa's got the bass. It's Christmas in Carolina. It's Christmas all over the place. Well, all That's talking out of your mouth. W-A-R-T Ward Radio Wellsville. Popcorn balls. Yep. They used to throw popcorn balls. That's fine. Yeah. Did, did you ever have a... No. No? A Santa on a fire truck? <laughs> <laughs> no. I guess you're right. What? Uh, I'm sorry. You're, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it's very weird. I thought you were gonna say popcorn balls. Oh, it's kind of a weird thing. That is like, also a weird thing to give at Christmas. Like, uh, is it a? It's what a is thing. it? Oh, is it a Christmas? My uh, neighbor used to make them for us. It's basically like caramel corn, but you don't let it dry. You just uh, like. I mean, I guess it's supposed it. to look like a snowball, kind of. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it just. It's not you know, pleasant. I've seen them. It's not pleasant to eat. Yeah. No. Know, like, not really. Mm-hmm. I don't want to eat popcorn that way. I just never, like, put together Christmas and these popcorn balls. Like, until now. Like, I never thought about it before, I guess. Until now. Uh, Yeah. It's very strange. uh, I I never was a big fan of um, candy canes, either. I mean, I like them all right, but... I'd rather have, like, the crazy fruity ones. Like, Mm. blue ones. My biggest problem with them is the shape. It's like, how do you eat these things? (laughs) Yeah. Candy canes? Yeah. Yeah, bite, like a little piece off, I guess. Well, I think a lot, you know, there's a difference between like people who lick uh-uh. and bite. Okay. I don't think everybody bites it. And you can like if you suck on it, it becomes like a sharp oh, thing I've that you can there, hurt and yourself with. Not pleasant. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Also, it's got that shrink wrap. Yeah. Which you try to peel back, and then it gets all. Slimy. Man. Oh yeah. And then you try to like well, you rewrap can't... it and no. It <laughs> no, it's got all got to come off at the same time. Oh, and then you hold the candy cane with your bare hand. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm no. Sorry. I'm sorry. No. 
It's a mess. It's That's a mess with is. the paper on it. With the plastic on it, it's a mess. Uh, I think the whole candy cane thing is problematic. You know what solves it is the mini candy canes mm. that you can just pop in. They just, you know, it's like that is three inches long and it comes just like in a little regular candy packet. Mm. Not shrink wrapped. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, uh, that is a better system. Yeah. I think we're good. 